Hello, my name is Bonnie Grace Gilday Kennedy, and I'm the owner of Grace of Healing, where I serve as an Akashic consultant and healer. My intention for this podcast is to serve as an inspiration to you finding your own healing through self-love. Together, we will spend time exploring topics that lead us to a deeper understanding of what self-love is and what it looks like for each of us as individuals on our own journey. I am especially excited about interviewing inspiring guests whom have created great feats of healing for themselves through their own acts of self-love. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 8 of Self-Love with Grace of Healing. I'm glad you've joined me today. This podcast will be a number of podcasts that will speak about and focus on sexuality. If you are uncomfortable with your sexuality or the sexuality of others or just sex in general, please feel free to stop listening to this podcast now. And before we get too far along in this podcast, I want to be clear that I am not an expert on sex. I am not a sex therapist. Of course, I do talk about sex often with clients while working in the Akasha energy field because our spirituality and sexuality are so closely tied. They're intertwined, right? There's no part of us that is separate. So all of our experiences are spiritual experiences. I also talk about sex with my friends as part of my normal conversations. Now, maybe not all of my friends, but some of my friends. People that I feel like will be comfortable with what I have to say. Sex is an activity I participate in. And I talk about it the same way I talk about what I'm eating, where I'm hiking, how my family's doing, how my workouts are going, my spiritual growth, all the normal activities of my life. Or So this podcast is about my observations as a woman and sexual being who has and continues to have sexual experiences. But I am certainly not coming to you in this way as a clinician or an expert. So yes, I want to talk about sex, sexual expectations, sexual abuse, sexual gratification, sexual healing, sexual history, all things about sex. I'm interested in the subject because what we believe affects us. It affects our experiences. And our experiences based in those beliefs inform us about ourselves and the world around us. Being a female, owning my own sexual power, and not being afraid of criticism by others surrounding my sexuality is a wonderfully powerful state to be in and one that it has taken me 55 years to achieve. 
It's been difficult. But I will mention it is an achievement worth getting to. The reason it was so difficult is because we live in a society that is both hyper-focused on sex and also treats sex as if it is taboo. And those two mixed messages have caused me some serious cognitive dissonance. Before we get too far along, I want to define sex, right? I want, what is sex? So I looked up sex. There was not a definition surrounding sex that I felt comfortable with. So this is what I am talking about when I am talking about sex. To me, sex is any kind of physical or energetic experience that causes a person to feel sexual pleasure. And I don't include being brought to a state of orgasm because so many people, especially women, participate in sexual activity sometimes for many years, sometimes for the duration of their sexual lives without attaining an orgasm. I want to further say that my idea of healthy sex is between people who are cognitively capable of making an informed choice to engage in sexual activity. That in itself eliminates a lot of the sex that's happening in the world, right? Sex and sexuality for women may be one of the most frustrating mixed messages our society relates to us as sexual beings. In the past, I've allowed society to tell me what's sexy, what isn't sexy, what's appropriate sexual behavior, what is taboo, and how I should think and feel about sex. As I've grown, as I've healed, I've made a conscious decision to not conform to societal expectations surrounding my own sexuality. My ideas, thoughts, and behaviors around sex and sexuality differ from what I've been taught is appropriate. If I was not conscious of my own sexuality, my psyche, based in shadow, would still be allowing the oppression of the patriarchy to affect my own sexuality. This is an important topic for me currently because I have recently had a very deeply spiritual sexual healing. Healing has happened in so many areas of my life. Of course, my sexual self would need healing too. It's just I didn't realize to what extent that needed to happen until it happened. And I will get to that story. But first, let's talk about how I got here to this place. I don't know what it's like to grow up as an average female who hasn't been sexually abused. I only know what it's like to be me. I was sexually abused as a child. I was innocent and didn't have any idea what sex was. I was not a one-time victim. I had many people perpetrate sexual abuse on me. Family members, teachers, neighbors, even the local ice cream man sexually abused me. 
Because my childhood was void of any supervision or nurturing, there wasn't anybody looking out for me or for what was happening to me. So I was a pretty easy target for people. There were a lot of males in my life who abused me. Being a target, there certainly were a lot of males looking at me. When I was a very young child, men sexualized me. There was this look that I would get from some men, and that look would feel heavy and scary. That look was different. It was different than the look that other men who were not sexualizing me would give me. Those experiences taught me a lot about reading people. It wasn't hard to figure out which people were safe to be around and which people were not safe to be around. But because I'd been being sexually abused from such a young age, I don't remember when I first noticed these experiences. I feel as if they always existed. Whew. Another thing is I feel really sick talking about this now. My second, my stomach, second chakra will be getting some attention, some meditation later on, creating some sound and vibration to move that energy out. Just imagining those looks on the faces of those people. Is, it's sickening. You know, when I look back at pictures of myself as a child, of course, I can't see anything sexual about me. I was a little girl. I love playing on the swings, the uneven bars, running through the field, playing tag, giggling with other little girls. Just total and complete innocence. Where I grew up, it was a warm and sunny place. Right, I grew up in Southern California in the 70s at the beach. Everything about the beach was sexual. The bikinis we all wore barely covered us. The application of suntan lotion. The sun glistening on our bodies. It was all sensualized. All you had to do was look around and see that boys and men would watch as females on the beach would begin the ritualized motions of sun worship. The message was clear to me. I was to look, act, and be sexy for males. Now I know from conversations I've had with other females that the sexualization of children is a universal experience. Most females know that they've been sexualized for as long as they can remember, whether they have been victims of sexual abuse or not, right? This is not a Bonnie Grace thing. This is a female thing. I know a number of women that I've had these conversations with. I did find one woman who was willing to talk about her own personal experience, and she allowed me to record it for this podcast. I've recorded a short interview with my friend and artist, Mary Beth Bradbury, about her experiences being sexualized as a small child. I want, us to, I want to talk about sex, period, with women. And the, way that, and the way that sexuality, our sexuality and the sexuality of others impacts our lives. 
right? Right, right. And you would think that because it is the most natural thing in the world, because it's the way that we procreate, right? The way that we become pregnant and have children and repopulate the earth, that it would be the most natural thing in the world to talk about. But the truth is that of all of the people that I've asked to have this discussion with me today, everyone except for you, Mary Beth Bradbury, have said that they could not, that they support what I'm doing, that they encourage me to do it. They know it's important, but they don't feel like it's safe for one reason or the other for them to talk about sex. So thank you, Mary Beth, for, for joining me today and talking about this. I do think it's important. I do too. And, and thank you for inviting me to have the conversation. Absolutely. So what I, what this first podcast is focused on is when you remember first being sexualized and what that experience was. Yeah. I, um, after, after you, um, initially asked me about this, I, I spent a couple hours alone, um, really thinking about it and just kind of working my way back through my life and I couldn't get to a first uh, because it was just so systemic. And once I realized that, and I stopped sort of looking for a personal, a personal experience. And yes, there were some of them when I was maybe 10, 11 years old, far too young to be thinking about my, myself in a sexual way and um, being brought up short by older men, uh, relatives mostly, uh, making comments about the changes in my body and uh, I was shocked by, by that. But um, then I started going back even further and thinking about when I was six, seven, eight, nine years old. Now, I went to elementary school in the 1960s. And I wasn't allowed to wear pants to school until I was in fourth or fifth grade. Hmm. I had to wear a dress every day, even in the dead of winter. We got to wear pants to walk to school, but then we had to take them off when we got to school. And I was thinking about how vulnerable that made me feel as a little girl. Bare legs, all the way down to my little ankle socks, but bare legs and always being cautious about is the wind going to catch my skirt as I'm walking to school? Is it going to blow up and somebody's going to see my underpants? Holding my skirt tight against my legs as I went up and down stairs so that boys couldn't look up my skirt. And I thought, my God, this is all about easy access. Yeah. That was the first time I really understood that I was being sexualized by the culture that I live in, by what I was being forced to wear so that I could be accessible, my body could be accessible to other people. That is huge. That is so... I mean, it's my point. Yeah. So let me take that back one more step, right? Who was doing this to me? Who was sexualizing me? It was the women in my life. 
it was it was the nuns, it was the grandmother, it was the mother. Um, I had a very strict Catholic upbringing, and they were sexualizing me or preparing me to be sexualized by teaching me the behaviors, modesty, docility, be nice, be kind, be quiet, don't make a fuss. And so that when men started did started to do things that made me uncomfortable, how did I respond? I behaved like the women taught me to do. Right. You followed the expectations of the people who had come before you that they had decided were appropriate ways for you to respond. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so all of that indoctrination way before any actual... Um, very personal sexualization by another human being. That's incredible. It was quite a realization. I know. I knew that when I asked you this morning to do this, that you were going to have an experience. I, I think that every person that I talked to knew that they would have an experience, and that is why they said no. And I respect that so much. Right. Well, I hung up. I hung up the phone with you and started thinking about it, and immediately started getting sick to my stomach. Yes, you know, for for whatever it was, a couple of hours, um, and it, you know, it was very, very uncomfortable to to have to think about those ways that we've been injured um, that that really we choose to forget about because we were just little girls, and we didn't deserve that. Right, and we were conditioned to hold mm -hmm. our value in the way that other people saw our value. And yes. so when you grow up in our society as a female, then you know, it. you know, that is what you know, that that is where your value lies. Right. Right. And it never stops. No, it doesn't. And you can go to, you know, you can go a couple of ways. You know, the Madonna horror thing is, is just still so true and prevalent you know i could i could have followed the direction of my my female ancestors and done what i was supposed to do and i did to to quite a certain extent um but you know then being a teenager in the 70s um where all those norms were falling away and something like free love was happening uh you know and 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 women were then and young young women and teenagers were taught then uh, that, that we could determine our own value, except that there was a very clear expectation of sexual behavior, of participating in that in order to be, quote unquote, liberated, which was a big trap in and of itself. Right. Because I think a lot of people engaged in very harmful and self-destructive behavior um, during that time. Yes. I, I don't know how many podcasts I'm doing surrounding the issue of sex and sexuality, but I feel like the acting out behaviors and self-harm through sexual behavior with other people has to be one of them. Yeah, I agree. It, it's a huge part of where a lot of women our age range um, have come through. Yes. I agree. When you think about your history of 
feeling, knowing and understanding that you were sexualized so young. You have daughters. Right. Right. Do you feel like it has changed for your daughters? <sighs> um, no, I, I really don't. Um, my my younger daughter, uh, I feel, has gone back to a much more traditional role, much more like my mother's than my own. Um, let, let's just take, for example, when women get married and what name they use. I've always felt very strongly that your name is an important part of your persona. You know, Gertrude's and Bertha's grow up to be very different people than Tiffany's and Brittany's have, right? Yes. So when you change your last name when you're in your 20s or 30s or whenever you do that for the first time, you really are agreeing to become a different person. And why? <laughs> why does that man get to be the same person and the woman have to become a different person? And I, during my first marriage, I knuckled under and I agreed to change my last name. And when I got divorced, as soon as I could get that name back, I did and won't ever let it go again. And fortunately, my current husband, um, not only is supportive of that, but sort of thinks it's crazy that I would do otherwise. Um, my youngest daughter has hyphenated and uses her, her husband's name for the most part um, and doesn't understand that argument that I just gave you mm -hmm. <laughs> about, about a name being important, you know. And, and I think a lot of her friends I know have spoken to and and they feel the same way they've all changed their names when they got married to their husband's surname and you know for me it's like down with the patriarchy man um <laughs> <laughs> yes this but, is one of the reasons they, this is one of the reasons that i love you is that i feel like that you have an understanding that these issue women's issues are issues that you think about that you don't push to the side and um, live your life accordingly. Yeah, I think all of these little things that people are like, what's the big deal? Well, they are freaking big deals. What we get to wear, what name we get to choose, that all of those things become, um, you know, part of the big mountain that, that restricts us from being the women that we can be access to our power yeah yeah thank you that's the phrase <laughs> yeah access to our power and i mean you know i could talk about this all day there are so many nuances and so many blatant in your face ways that society uses our sexuality against us but i really am interested in breaking this up into pieces that are more digestible for people so that it doesn't feel so heady, so cerebral, right? So that people can identify with, oh, I did that. Why did I do that? I don't feel... Right. And when you look at it as a whole, it's just too scary. Right. right. You have to eat it, this elephant in, in, you know, little bites or whatever. It's it's just too frightening to, to face all at once. I, the goal of this, 
of doing these podcast of doing the podcasts on sex and sexuality and and all of the things that go with that is because I would love for people women specifically to question why they are like they are like I'm not doing this as Bonnie Grace the healer I'm doing this as Bonnie Grace the woman who happens to be a healer right like my experience, my experiences around sex and sexuality have been a lot of what I've had to spend my adult life healing from. Yes, and I don't think you're alone, girl. I understand. <laughs> That's why we're doing this. That's right. why we're doing this thing, you know? So I really appreciate you thinking about this and thinking about those early experiences. I'm very grateful for Mary Best Courage to talk about her experiences. Again, I just feel so sick thinking about these things. Our vulnerability as women, not just to men, but other women who are helping to maintain the patriarchy through misogynistic behaviors is a commonality that we all share. As women, I hope this series of podcasts that I create encourages you to look at yourself, to question the things you believe about sex, about yourself, other women, and who you are as a spiritual being on this planet. Maybe a little bit more compassion for yourself and for the other women in your life. On the next episode of Self Love with Grace of Healing, I will discuss some of the historical bases for our beliefs around female sexuality. I ask you to join me, to go on this journey with me as we learn more about who we are as women living in our society. If you've had an experience you would like to share with me, you're welcome to connect with me. Maybe you would like to be interviewed for a future podcast. I thank you all for your time and for your energy. Peace. For more information on self-love, the Akashic Masters, or this podcast, you can go to www.graceofhealingnc.com. Audio and music production is by Linda Goh. To connect with her, you can go to kamalacove.org.